Good morning. It is such a delight to be back to St. Paul's. Um, I often feel like I'm at home uh, amongst you, and I am privileged this morning to bring God's word to us, and I pray that the Lord will continue to cement our relationship and our friendship for the sake of the gospel. This morning, I am delighted to be speaking on the subject of the suffering servant in Isaiah, and perhaps begin with a story of an experience I had earlier on in my ministry. I had an opportunity to encounter a woman of great faith. I was on a pastoral care visitation in a parish far away from my own, and as we walked with the evangelist who was responsible for that area I was visiting, he gave me a detailed insight about the life of this woman I was going to visit. He narrated to me how at a very young age, this woman had been married off because both her parents had died mysteriously and there was no one to take care of her. At 18 years old, her husband died, leaving her with three children. And so with great difficulty, she single-handedly raised up these children, uh, feeding them, clothing them in whatever way she could by doing all manner of manual tasks. She learned to trust in God as a young widow, and she prayed every day that God would make it possible for her children to get an education, for she understood that that was the ticket out of the poverty that she lived in. You know, God answered her prayers, and when two of her sons were all grown and had gone to college, they eventually got well-paying jobs. One got a job in Nairobi in the capital, and another one in Mombasa, uh, probably 300 miles further down. And the day before our visit, she had received shocking news of death in the family. Her eldest son was returning from work the previous evening, and when he was about to get home, he was attacked by armed robbers who took his car and shot him dead. When the second son received news of his brother's death, he was distraught. He hit the road from Mombasa to Nairobi, to go and make funeral arrangements. Halfway through the journey, he had a motor accident and died on the spot. The third son that this woman had had suffered complications at birth, and he was both mentally and physically retarded. This experience, and indeed various other experiences in my life and ministry have led me to ask the questions, what is the purpose of life? Are there people who are born to suffer? In the book of Isaiah, beginning from chapter 14 and continuing through chapter 53, there are numerous references to God's servant. In some instances, the references are to the nation of Israel, God's Old Testament people, whom God would rescue from their captivity in Babylon and through whom God would rescue humanity by the promised Messiah. Israel as a nation was viewed as a spiritual Messiah through whom the gospel would come and whose people would be shown grace again and again. Many of the references, however, prophesy the coming of the personal Messiah, Jesus Christ, who would be the servant of the Lord, serving God's chosen people and the Gentiles. Isaiah 53 in particular is a rich source of prophecy regarding the ministry of Jesus Christ and God's plan of salvation. And at the core of that message in this chapter is the reminder 
that you and I have gone astray from God by disobeying his will. And the sweet message of the gospel is then proclaimed as we hear that our iniquities have been placed on Jesus Christ, the suffering servant of the Lord. You see, Jesus took our punishment so that God's holiness and the demands of righteousness are to be met. What a profound message. What profound grace. What wondrous love. You know, I get chills every time I have an opportunity to consider this, that my Lord, my King, would die on the cross for me, a sinner, that I only need to the, turn to the cross for forgiveness, for upon that cross, God's servant suffered punishment for my sin. There are a couple of truths that I would like us to take with us from this lesson before I shut up. <laughs> One, that the promised servant would come to earth and have a ministry whose outward form would be most astounding. Our text in verse 1 reads, For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the patched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. You know, incredibly, the Son of God, the suffering servant would come in such a humble fashion that his divine nature would not be readily seen. The servant would live among us in lowly conditions and wear none of the usual emblems of royalty, making his identity visible only to the designing eye of faith. He came as a servant to serve and not to be served, and he gave his life as a ransom for many. This was a revolutionary concept for the recipients of Isaiah's prophecy. It was revolutionary because of what the Jews expected of their Messiah, that he would come as an earthly king with great military might and power to put an end to the Roman rule and oppression. It was revolutionary because the Jews could not embrace the idea that their salvation was going to come from a crucified Messiah. And it was revolutionary because it would require God's people to be willing to emulate the example of their Messiah and embrace suffering. That message is still revolutionary even today because many of us are not willing to embrace the message of suffering for us Christians for our salvation. The suffering servant would not look like eternal royalty when gazed upon by human eyes. He would not be mentioned by his peers as the most likely to succeed in liberating God's people. And he most certainly would not make the cut in Forbes' list of who is who in this world. <laughs> in fact, Jesus and his gospel would be rejected by many because the suffering, suffering servant was not the kind of Messiah that the Jews had expected or envisioned. Indeed, God himself in his son Jesus Christ, and because of his love for us, becomes one of us in order to serve each and every one of us personally and humanity collectively. So how did he serve us? First, by his substitutionary death on the cross, in which he suffered punishment for our sins and purchased our salvation. In addition, he serves us by being an example of how we, as followers of Christ, are to serve God and others out of gratitude for our salvation. He sits 
with the prostitutes. He eats with the tax collectors. He hangs out with the sinners. I want to pause and think about the many times we have chosen to hang around people that look like us, people like, who make the same amount of money as us, who live in the same neighborhoods as us. And we shun those who do not look like us, who look ragged, who are suffering, and we do not want to identify with them. Dear friends in Christ, so many times we fret and worry about our appearance before others. We seek recognition and validation from being smart, being pretty, handsome, witty, charming, talented, or making money. And in as much as those things are good, they are simply not what should define us. They are not the things that should make us feel relevant, neither are they important enough to form the basis of our self-worth. What makes our lives complete, ladies and gentlemen, is our relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And serving God and serving others, that is what makes us complete and satisfying. Jesus knew that he was the son of God and that his mission was to save humanity. It therefore did not matter if others despised and rejected him. He did not care what the Pharisees thought when he healed someone on the Sabbath because he knew that was his mission. And so in view of the suffering servant, as we turn to the cross for our identity, let us also turn to serving others with love. The question we have to ask ourselves daily is how do we serve others in ways that give glory to God? It could be helping at home with the chores, giving a word of encouragement for someone who feels downtrodden. It could be giving your time to serve the lowly in our society. And I know that this next few days, St. Paul's is doing their tea room for the purposes of serving others. I pray that God will continue to strengthen you as you suffer for the sake of others. It could be contributing towards a mission, giving an ear to listen to the burden. And this is not very easy, and I can testify that to that as a priest, that sometimes as early as 6 o'clock in the morning, there are people showing up and knocking at my door, desiring that I would listen to them, not for 10 minutes, not for 20 minutes. Sometimes it could go on for a couple of hours when I think it is time for me to hang out with my sons or speak to my wife. Sometimes it could be tolerating those who get on our nerves or even just suppressing an angry word that you feel you should have let out. Secondly, as we noted earlier, the servant songs apply to the people of Israel, or more precisely, those who suffered the exile to, in Babylon. God had allowed them to suffer the indignities of forced relocation and exile, but God eventually redeemed them through their suffering. After allowing the exiles to suffer for the collective unfaithfulness of their people, God restores them to the promised land. You see, Jesus is the complete and final fulfillment of the ministry of the suffering servant. 
and through his willing, patient, and faithful suffering of his son, God will bring salvation to humanity. Most people in the times of Isaiah, and even in our times, have a hard time understanding or even accepting a God who allows suffering in the world, especially when the sufferers are faithful to God or innocent of any wrongs. We ask ourselves questions like, why does a good and just God allow bad things to happen to good people? Most people have a hard time believing in a Messiah who suffers and dies and who in dying destroys death and in destroying death brings life eternal. Most people have a hard time following a Messiah who demands self-giving love as a mark of truth and faith and a doorway to salvation. But like it or not, this, my brothers, is the message of the gospel of Christ. He invites us daily to believe in, to imitate, and to follow the suffering servant. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? The message of Isaiah is that suffering is not necessarily a sign of God's displeasure. Sometimes being faithful means suffering for God's sake and even being persecuted for the love of God. And when I talk about suffering here, I am not talking about having a cold. There are many who think that when they have a cold, they are suffering. <laughs> or when the service takes five minutes more than it usually does, they think they are suffering. <laughs> or oh, I should invite you for a church service in Africa. <laughs> or sometimes when the brand of milk is not available at the grocery store, it helps, doesn't it, when you know the suffering of others. It helps you appreciate what you have and not have to whine about anything and everything. God can and does work through the faithful suffering of his servants. For the self-giving love and suffering of Jesus Christ is the instruments of God, God's redemption of the whole human race. In verse 10, the Lord, the Bible says, the Lord was pleased to crush him. God was not pleased with the suffering of his son, he was pleased with the result that the suffering would produce, the atonement of sins for humanity. This goes against the popular prosperity gospel that is espoused by many, which suggests that Christians will always be healthy and wealthy, and that the spiritual temperature around us will always be ideal. Going back to the story of the widow, I never asked her when I got there, how she felt. I did not know what to say to her. She continues to challenge my faith to date because of the way she received the tragedy that had befallen her. She encouraged me in scripture and she said, my son, I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help will come from the Lord. You know, you need to understand that where I come from, your sons and daughters when you educate them, become your retirement. 
that you do not have to think about your retirement benefits because you have educated sons and daughters who are supposed to take care of you. And in the twinkle of an eye, he had lost everything that he had invested in his sons. But he, she chose to trust in God. And she sang songs of praise. She is still a Christian and a testament of faithfulness in times of suffering. I want to finish with these four things that I think this woman knew that I have continued to learn. Number one, that trials will happen. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, it is promised that we will suffer for the sake of the gospel. And so when suffering knocks at your doorstep, do not whine. Give thanks to God because the prophecy has been fulfilled. Secondly, some trials will be meant to purify us and test the reality of our faith. Some trials will be meant to prepare us for ministry, to be a witness unto others. You know, I do not think I would be standing before you this morning and preaching this sermon if it were not for the many days that I went hungry as a child. Three days without food. And I'm talking no food at all. And so today in my ministry, I can boldly stand and speak on behalf of suffering children who are going hungry because of the, that experience I had earlier on in my life. Thirdly, suffering means future glory with Christ. And Paul speaks about it beautifully in Romans 8, and he says, the suffering that we might go through now cannot be compared to the future glory that we will receive in Christ. And finally, Suffering allows us to glorify God's name. It is a powerful witness when we stand and we are faithful in our suffering. There are many that have come to faith because of the faith of this woman who stood the test of her time. And so, whatever it is you're going through right now, it could be a sickness, it could be difficulties with your family relationships, it could be financial difficulties. My hope and prayer is that the suffering servant will be made manifest and that you will be encouraged to know that he is familiar with our weaknesses. He has acquainted himself with our suffering. He knows what we are going through and he is faithful to walk with us until the very end. And so may God equip us in during this season of Lent that we will suffer with those who are suffering, but also in our own suffering that the Lord will give us grace and strength to overcome them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.